0: You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome to the first episode of 2022 for Locked On NBA Draft. My name is Richard Stamen. Happy Tuesday. I'm joined by Leaf Tulin as I do every first of the month. Leaf, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. Excited to record again.
1: Yeah, hey, I'm excited to get uh, the man, the myth, the legend, one of the greatest college basketball and NBA draft minds out there. Um, Leaf has been on my show multiple times every first of the month for the last three months. Let's dive right into it. Um, what were some of the big let's start from an overview. What were some of the big standouts for you over this last month of college basketball, whether it's teams, players, prospects, however you want to look at it. What has stood out to you over the last month?
0: I think first and foremost, you've got to look at the number one team in the country and Baylor and how they were able to be so good. After losing the players that they lost. They lost the most outstanding player of the final four in Jared Butler. They lost a the top 10 pick in Davion Mitchell. They lost their defensive identity in Mark Vidal, among others. Macy O'Teague is an all-conference player. And yet they're number one in the country and seemingly winning most games with ease. I think we'll talk about the one game that they haven't won with ease and, and momentarily. That's my main my main thing so far. And the other thing is who can get by with the fewest COVID injuries, like as in Players that will miss time with with illness and who misses time of practice because I think a lot of teams will have less time to assemble um, their strength. And so those are a couple of my, my strongest takeaways is that early in the season, health is going to be very important.
1: Yeah, COVID has already laid its hands on this season. There's been a ton of delays. We missed out on a lot of really good games you know pac 12 canceled a lot of their i think almost their whole slate actually outside of like oregon and utah it feels like random oregon state games so there's gonna be a lot of makeup games there's gonna be just a i mean there were probably almost i'd say a third of the games that were scheduled got postponed or canceled depending on the conference and it's uh it definitely is going to take a toll it's going to be a weird season because of that I think there have definitely been some emerging teams, though. Kind of like you said, like Baylor, let's just start there. Like over the last month, they have established themselves. Uh, and we talked about this on the on the podcast a lot is, you know, Baylor is the number one team. Like we're still very both of us. I think the whole way, correct me if I'm wrong, Leaf, like you've been right there with me, right? And the, you can survive and say yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Baylor's phenomenal.
1: Yeah, and they're they're incredible, and all throughout December they've been dominant. They nobody can give them anything outside of this week with Iowa State, which we'll get to momentarily. But it just really feels like there's just such a big gap between them and the rest of the country. Even Purdue, you know, they're number three, like Gonzaga. It, it just it really does feel like the rest of the country is lacking behind Baylor, which is remarkable because you could make an argument their best player is a freshman. And you really just don't see that. I don't think uh, very often. And I don't know. This college basketball season has been a little bit weird. Don't get me wrong. Like Duke, I, Duke has been phenomenal, eleven and one. But there's only two top ten teams that are undefeated. The other is USC, which again, the Pac-12 is weird. Who knows what's going to come of it? So let's talk uh, other big picture with it. Who are some prospects that you feel like have risen throughout this uh, throughout this window of the last month that? Uh, And this could be anything from, I mean, you could even list Paolo, Boncaro or Jabari Smith, because, I mean, I think both of those guys have kind of solidified an even further case for number one. So who's standing out to you in that regard?
0: Yeah, I'll start at the top there with Jabari Smith um, as someone that I was high on. I think I picked him when we did this a couple months ago as my SEC player of the year. Uh, I, I did not know he'd be as good as he's been. And, and that was high praise because I thought SAC was going to be the best conference in basketball this year. And I chose a freshman to be the best, but he's been better than I expected. His shot is unbelievably fluid and he's just got measurables. You can't teach at 18 years old. And then one other guy that I think, uh, I think we'll agree upon is Johnny Davis from Wisconsin. I probably would have had him at the low first rounder to start this year. And I've been seeing boards having him around 10. Um, and that's a huge jump for a sophomore from Wisconsin, really athletic two guard can play the three on um, his shot has improved as well. And he's got a lot of upside. And that's one I didn't see coming. And my honorable mention is a guy that I was high on last year. And I think we've discussed him as Benedict Matherin from Arizona. I had him in the top 25 last year. If he were to come out as a freshman, he came back for a sophomore year. And I think he's firmly within everyone's lottery and most people's top 10 at this point.
1: Hey, I was going to start off with Matherin and say how he was a guy who has really stood out. His shooting has popped. That was kind of my question mark is that can can he be consistent in the three ball? And yes, the answer is a simple yes. Another guy I want to touch on, Johnny Davis, was also someone I was going to name. I should have coordinated this with you before instead of blindly doing this authentically. Because I also really like Johnny Davis. I've grown to really like his offense, his shot creation. I didn't know much about him. So admittedly, he wasn't on my radar. That might have just been a lack of research, not necessarily, you know, not being, it's not down on him. It was just lack of research, but he has been phenomenal. I really like his shot creation. I think he's got a good game for a shooting guard, and I think he's going to be a top 20 pick, and I'm fully on board with that. The third person I would say is I'm totally stealing those two uh, tonight. To go a little bit different and i'm very glad you didn't say this person is also on duke i almost uh, i went a pretty close path and, and just just to verify something that just popped in my head you did choose jabari smith as sec player that year' some mad props furthers your credentials like you you have been incredible on that uh my pick is aj griffin who he only played four games in december granted not the strongest of competition he played south carolina state appalachian state who was in the tournament last year was a 16th seed if i'm not mistaken Ewan and Virginia tech, but in those games, he has been ridiculous. He's missed uh, two, two pointers, just absolutely efficient. 83% from two, 12 points per game, two assists, four rebounds, half a steal, one block. He, I think he only had two turnovers, one turnover. Uh, yes. One turnover in this span. And that was on 65% shooting. And that was all in 20 minutes per game. So the per 30, the per 40 minutes, of this are stupid efficient it's 24 uh 24 and 8 with four assists two plots and one steal on 65 percent shooting he has really emerged you know the first month i couldn't get my fingers on how to grasp him and figure out what kind of prospect he was but now it's becoming a lot clearer that he is a top 10 talent in this draft
0: so uh have you gotten to see aj griffin any thoughts on that Oh, I'm, I'm really high on A.J. Griffin as well. That would probably have been my fourth person. So we're really on the same page today. Uh, I, I have a couple stats that uh, uh, buttress what you said. You, you said his true shooting uh, – you talked about his efficiency. His true shooting percentage is 68.6%, which is pretty absurd for a two-guard, uh, two or three. Um, he's also misses zero free throws on the season. I know that the, the highest frequency isn't there, but that's pretty impressive, especially when you consider this guy – Coming out of high school, a lot of people saw as an athlete, and the question mark wasn't necessarily a huge question mark, but his shot, like how would it translate to playing at a higher level? Well, he's playing at Duke, and he's shooting 45% from three, hasn't missed a free throw. The volume isn't quite there. He's only got a 17.9% usage rate. But uh, all signs indicate that he is going to be a star, Um, and that's a guy that's also firmly within my lottery. And one more stat here is his offensive rating is an off-the-charts 144.1%. Um, Yes, 14 minutes played per game, but those numbers are pretty incredible.
1: Yeah, you just can't deny the minute per minute production. I I really think he's going to emerge as a safe lottery top 10 prospect. Um, So when we come back from this break, we will talk about this week's this past week's game. We're going to dive into it on a more micro level about some of the highlighted games like Iowa State and Baylor. Uh, As we hinted at, we will talk about that. But first, let me tell you about Truebill. Do you know why free trials were new without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. And because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. Truebill has over two million users and has helped save them over a hundred million dollars. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at truebill.com slash locked on Go right now, truebill.com slash locked on could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com
0: slash locked on So, welcome back to Locked on MBA Draft. Thank
1: you again for making us your first listen every day. We really appreciate it. We're free on all platforms. We're available anywhere you get uh, podcasts, and soon Locked On NBA Draft will be on YouTube. So, uh, in case you were wondering, if you really needed the face to this audio, you will get it soon. Um, I'm joined by Leaf Tulin every first of the every first uh, Tuesday of the month. We are here together doing this show. Um, so let's dive into as the aforementioned, Baylor versus Iowa State. I, I want to say that game lived up to the hype. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, I I was pretty surprised how well Iowa State played them. I knew we were high on Iowa State coming into it, but their defensive intensity matched that of Baylor's, which not many teams, if any, in the country can say. And early in the game, they made life really hard on Baylor. And then eventually, Baylor's depth of guard and like talent of their guards that they have four of that are phenomenal um, outpaced Iowa State, and they hung on. But Iowa State made it interesting late, even though Baylor had their grasp on the win, they made it more interesting than any other team has for Baylor thus far.
1: Yeah. Baylor has had a cake. wall. I'm not even, sorry, that's actually the wrong way to put it. They've had a not easy schedule. They, I mean, preseason, the Oregon game was supposed to be incredibly good and that ended up being uh, somehow an only eight point game. That wasn't, it just wasn't an entertaining eight point game. They beat Nova by um, how much did they win by? Sorry. I clicked uh, 21, I 21, yeah, by 20. They gave up 36 points. That's right. They gave up, 36 points to Villanova, to Jay rides Villanova. Like, that is so ridiculously hard. They cruised through the battle for Atlantis. That's going back over the last month. But, I mean, where do we even start with this team? Like, they are ridiculously good. Over the last month, Kendall Brown has not slowed down at all, and I really do think there's a strong argument for him being their best player. And Iowa State, let's shift to them because props to them. That was their first loss. They held Baylor within five points. They were playing pretty well. I – I mean, they had some good production all around. They were pretty efficient, 47%. The only problem is they could not hit a three to save their life. And to me, that kind of just shows, one, Baylor's defense is very good, and they didn't give up many three. Like, they didn't want them shooting threes. But Iowa State, I mean, that's going to be their fatal flaws. If they can't hit threes, they're they they're kind of in trouble, as you could say, obviously, about any team. But in this one, they were forcing turnovers left and right. They're – they kind of made up for the lack of shooting. They, they really just need to get
0: that three-point shooting up because they shot 7% from three. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a very difficult number to overcome. And quite frankly, I'm surprised they shot 7% from three but scored 72 points against Baylor. Um, that's a pretty impressive statement of its uh, in and of itself. And I think the true litmus test for Iowa State, they passed the first one against Baylor by losing by five, which I know it sounds bad. You always want to win. But that's a that's a passing grade for sure. They play Texas Tech um, at home, then at Oklahoma, then at number six Kansas, then uh, host number fourteen Texas, and then at Texas number twenty five Texas Tech is their next five. Um, if they can come out of that schedule with a three and two record, even a two and three, I would be fine with. But if they can come out of that with three and two, if they can get four and one, I'd be thoroughly impressed. And I think you'd have an early um, coach of the year candidate. In in Iowa State uh, and someone that really took me off guard because they were two and twenty two last year.
1: Yeah, the turnaround has been ridiculous. Tyrese Hunter's a really good player. They got some good transfers as well. And I know uh, Iowa State has now become a, a host favorite between us two of this show. We, I think we both have a soft spot for Iowa State going forward. They've been really entertaining. Next game I wanted to talk about was Villanova versus Seton Hall. Villanova won seventy three to sixty seven. Over the weekend, it was a pretty good, well-rounded performance by Villanova. Justin Moore had a really good game, Uh, wasn't shooting the ball too well, but still had a pretty decent game. Uh, You can always count on Colin Gillespie to be himself and be very solid. And then on the other end, Seton Hall, I don't really think they had a standout performance per se, but they just played really well as a team. I saw bits and pieces. I'll admit I did not watch the full game but I did catch a decent amount. What did, how would you describe this game? What really stood out to you in this one?
0: Well, I think the first thing you can look at in the box score is that, like you mentioned, the, both teams got contributions from, from lots of players. Uh, Villanova had four starters scoring double digits, including Colin Gillespie's 21. Uh, you mentioned that Justin Moore played very well, and he did. Uh, he had 13 and on five of nine shooting. And then you got a double-double from your fourth highest score Uh, In Jermaine Samuels, Nova's always been about the team. That doesn't surprise you. But as for Seton Hall, this is a team that has to thrive by being a team. They don't have a guy like they've had in past years, like Santro Mamu Kalashvili. They don't have a Isaiah Whitehead. They don't have anyone to be the man. Um, You could argue that as Jaron Roden this year, he had 13 points. But Bryce Aiken led the way off the bench, and they played seven deep, and they scored 34 points off the bench for Seton Hall. So they played a short rotation but got contributions from all seven players. Um, They're a solid team and a pretty solid Big East that I think is surprisingly good. I didn't think the Big East was going to be that great this year. I thought it was going to be Villanova. um, And honestly, I thought St. John's was going to be better. But it turns out Villanova and Connecticut were the only two I really believed in at the beginning of the year. And now Seton Hall, Providence, Connecticut, Villanova, and um, DePaul are all putting on strong performances. And St. John's isn't terrible either.
1: Yeah, and St. John's got bit by COVID. I mean, Julian Champagny hasn't played in almost a month now. and. That hurts. So I, I do think that they kind of uh, – my preseason prediction of him being Big East player of the year hasn't looked so hot, but it's also not really his fault. COVID's kind of – at this point for the players, it feels like it's almost a luck thing. But uh, one other game I want to talk about, and actually before I get to that, if, if anybody's listening and knows this, is Bryce Aiken related to Brady Aiken, the, the baseball player, the former top pick? Is I need to know this at us, at Master After Leaf to one of us. Let us know because I'm, I've been dying to know and I can't find anything. Uh, so the one last game for the weekend I wanted to cover. I don't know if you got to see this. I saw a good portion of it. It was an intense game, and I'm way too hyped about two teams with just seven wins in conference play opening. Florida State versus North Carolina State. I don't know if you got to see it, but it was a kind of big game uh, in terms of production, mainly from North Carolina State, but also some sprinkles in stuff from Florida State. You had Turkevian Smith at North Carolina State going for 23-5-3. and and then Darion Seabron going for 32 points, seven assists, five rebounds, two steals on 12 of 14 shooting, which is just ridiculously efficient. And then the part that has more to do with the draft, is that was a good college outing. Personally, I don't know how much of prospects either of those guys are, but it's a standout performance. The two guys that have really grown on me at FSU are John Butler, who did not have a very good game. Seven foot one big, who can shoot the three ball. He took three shots this game. And then also Matt Cleveland, who had 13 points, nine rebounds, one assist, two steal, and one block on 50% shooting. So I don't know if you saw the game or have general feelings on either of those, but I uh, would love to hear your thoughts.
0: I did not get to see this game, but I will say I've been high on Matthew Cleveland for about two years. I, I, you can look at my Twitter and I, I said, Matthew Cleveland was one of the most impressive prospects from his class that I got to watch. Um, I really liked his AAU film and I think he will end up being a lottery pick or close to it whenever he decides to come out Uh, unless he, if he comes out a little this year, it may be difficult because it's a pretty loaded draft. Regardless, um, impressive performance. And that's a big win in the ACC because I think everyone's fighting for second at this point, but to gain a quality win early and, you know, they could be fighting for bubble space, both teams there. Um, I think Florida state will be better than that, but, you know, gaining a quality win early is always good. And I think John Butler is one of the more intriguing prospects. Um, you may be higher on him than I am, but uh, he is certainly an anomaly. If you're seven foot one, he's about 190 pounds soaking wet.
1: Hey, I know another uh, seven footer, 190 pounder. That's near the top of the draft. But uh, no, I, I, haven't done, I haven't really done a dive into John Butler. I just know a lot of people that are in drafts would have really liked him. And he's a guy they see projecting upwards, which I totally understand. I mean, you're that big and you can shoot. Automatic. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. But uh in just a moment, let's come back and talk about some of the big games we have eyed on this week and this upcoming weekend. All right, we so for this second weekend of January, hopefully less COVID postponements than we saw last week. What are some of the top games that you're really looking forward to and why should we be watching them?
0: Uh, I think the one I'd start off with in terms of chronologically speaking would be Purdue hosting Wisconsin. Um, You get some good individual matchups for scouting. If you're, if you're a fan of the NBA draft, as we both are, Uh, you have Jaden Ivey, presumptive top five pick and Johnny Davis, who I mentioned earlier in this show, um, who I I think has crawled his way into a potential lottery pick um, at a battle of two guards, two top 25 teams, big tens, always fierce and competitive um, quality. Big man play there. I'm excited for that one. Uh, As for Tuesday, January 4th, Kentucky and LSU. This, to me, is a kind of a litmus test for both teams of how good they are in the SEC because LSU got beaten handily by Auburn. Kentucky hasn't quite played anyone um, at a high caliber in the SEC yet. And then one more that I think is interesting is Iowa State Cyclones. We mentioned it. It's the beginning of their litmus test, and that is when they play Texas Tech, who plays a physical defensive brand of basketball, And let's see who can be the more aggressive defensive team between those two in the big 12. Those are the first three that stick out to me this week. How about you?
1: Yeah. So I'm going to stick on uh, just trying to piggyback. I'm going to go to Saturday a little bit though. Kansas goes to Texas tech at 3 PM central time. Uh, That's going to be a big one. Kansas opens their big 12 play. They played George Mason on Saturday and this is going to be, I don't want to say a litmus test because you know, Kansas is good, but just how good is the big 12? Because we know it's stacked. Is it any given, any given day? Like, is it going to be like Kansas dominates and like Kansas and Bay, where I should say dominate. And they're really holding down the fort. What's it going to be kind of like you said with the Iowa state, it depends on that front and a couple other set have really stood out. Anytime Tennessee plays, this is also on Saturday. I'll, I think all my games are just going to be Saturday games. Tennessee plays LSU, a lot of prospects in that. If you haven't seen Tari Easton or Alex Fudge, I really like both of them. I'm not as high on Easton as a lot of draft Twitter. A lot of people have lottery. Not quite there yet. It's more just exposure. And just as conference play gets there, I'll probably start warming up to some of those takes. But both teams, I mean, there's a combined probably long-term, eight prospects, nine prospects if we're really generous. And then lastly, um, I, I kind of just want to see what happens. Uh, this is an obscure one, but Miami plays Duke. All I'm saying is, my guy Isaiah Wong has been playing like an ACC Player of the Year candidate. He can't win because who, who else is who he's going against? Actually, is Paolo Boncero. Uh, but he has been playing like an ACC Player of the Year candidate, and he should have been the most improved player in the ACC last year. He's been phenomenal. If you haven't checked out the, um, I, I posted some stats about him. Just search draft Isaiah Wong. First of all, you could write an essay based on my tweets about him. I, I'm a huge fan. His three-point shot is falling. It's still a little bit slow and has a weird windup. Everything else checks out. He's a 6'3 shot creator, really athletic, super high feel for the game. Great handle. I really like him. Big test against uh, Trevor Keels is going to be guarding him. That's a massive NBA test. So go ahead and watch that. And, of course, one I said it was my last. If Julian Champagny is back, as we referred to earlier – Him against Providence would be a really nice test. I want to see him go against at the rim against like Nate Watson. I think that would be a really good one. Nate Watson's kind of that one of those deep dive big men uh, for the NBA. But more importantly, right now, he's a college big that that can do damage around the rim. So I'm interested in those games. I added the extra one by cheating. Is there anything else that I left off in the upcoming games, Leaf? that you want to talk
0: about? I've got one that, that makes me interested because it's a rivalry game and that's Michigan State who's number 10 they enter this season unranked they'll be traveling to Ann Arbor playing at the Chrysler Center against what was the number four team in the country preseason Michigan who's seven and five Michigan's been disappointing I am curious to see how this game goes because Michigan State recently has been battling some COVID issues they got some of their players back such as Marcus Bingham he'll be instrumental in defending Hunter Dickinson there's also some NBA draft intrigue with Max Christie, Musa Diabate, Caleb Houston in this one. But also, I just love watching Big Ten rivalry games because they're they're allowed to play. They play physically, and then you also see two really good coaches and Joan Howard, the rising star who won, won Big Ten Coach of the Year last year, and then you've got the stalwart and Tom Izzo um, manning the sidelines for the Spartans, and I, I'm, I'm just excited about that as someone who loves college basketball.
1: Hey, great find. I'm interested to see how Caleb Houston bounces back because he had a disaster against UCF. That was one of the worst games any prospects has had this year, and hopefully he bounces back from that. Uh, Leaf, thank you so much for joining me yet again, hopefully having you on more and more in the future. I um, really appreciate it. Tell everyone where they can find you.
0: Well, first off, thank you. Uh, it's always a blast being on here, and yeah, uh, Leif Tulin on Twitter, that's L-E-I-F-T-H-U-L-I-N, and I have a podcast of my own called The College Sports Hive where I talk about college basketball quite a bit. So if you're a college basketball junkie like we are, um, you may see Richard on there uh, with me, and then you'll hear me talking about college hoops with a lot of guests. So uh, l- give me a listen and let me know what you think.
1: Awesome. Thanks for joining me. And for your second listen of the day, go ahead and check out Locked On Bets, and they have everything you need to know about future props, anything like that, of what to expect for the rest of the week. Thank you, and have a wonderful rest of your day.